following podcast may contain some adult language. You've been warned. Those of you who got an invite, welcome to NerdProm. <laughs> no matter where in the world you are, we're all NERDS International. With the hyphen. Welcome to Finding the Narrative, a Genesis RPG podcast. This is a show dedicated to the Genesis role-playing system from Fantasy Flight Games, a show in which we, your hosts, discuss all things Genesis from both the player's and a GM's perspective. I am Tony Fanning, and with me as always are my co-hosts of Extraordinary Character, Mr. Chris Holmes and Stefan Dragonspawn. How are we doing, fellas? Starting with Chris. Uh, Extraordinary Character, huh? Hmm. Appreciate that. <laughs> well, I had to say something nice about you after I tripped over the freaking intro. <laughs> it's a role-playing game. Yeah, it is. Speaking of role-playing games, um, captured my dudes Saturday night playing D&D. Sorry, D-Shift 70. That was fun. Yeah. Have not run a, I'm going to throw a shit ton of enemies against you and capture you successfully without killing you. With a party wipe in a long time. So, yeah, they handled it pretty good. They were a little bit like, we need to run. <laughs> the first sign of, like, you guys need to, you, you need to, you need to surrender now. <laughs> and then the one guy just bolted. <laughs> and I'm like, yes! <laughs> Two of them went down and the other one bolted. So, yay, way to go, guys. That was fun. That's all I got. <laughs> Still relishing on that. <laughs> Stephen? Oh, you, Stefan, what's up? Yep, I'm doing pretty good, pretty good. No gaming recently. I'm looking forward to the Star Wars game on Wednesday. Yeah. Uh, Tony's game, so hopefully that would be nice. I've had to miss last game. Um, other than that, just taking care of my uh, my hubby. He's been under the weather uh, this weekend, but uh, getting better. Mm-hmm. Climbing up that hill. So, uh, yeah, and other than that, nope. We're all good. All good. And you, Tony, working your ass off, aren't you? Slaving to the man. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Putting in twenty-four hours overtime in one weekend. Oh, by the we way, did you can't... put the did you put that meat in the mail and send to me so I could smoke that fucking deer you hit the other day? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that was the other thing. Is <laughs> that sucks, dude. My yeah. car was in the shop, so I decided, you know, or I told my wife I'm going to drive yours tomorrow, and mm. I hit a deer in her jeep. Oh. Of all things. Damn, I'm glad you're all right because, man, hitting freaking beers yeah. are. Dude, that'll fuck your car it up big be. time. Yeah, yeah. It, it taught me a valuable lesson. She loves that Jeep more than she loves me sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and there it is on the internet in yeah. forever now. <laughs> Sorry, right, she doesn't listen to this. <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> so I guess on that note, <laughs> Stefan, what kind of news do we have, yes. if any? Yes, we do. I mean, managed to find a little bit of news today. Someone on Reddit had uh, just posted it, posted this uh, under like under the radar kind of thing. Um, that I should have been more diligent too. Um, the Genesis website, you know, they've been talking about just before Gen Con about the new expanded players guide was supposed to come out. Mm-hmm. 
And on their website mentioning that, um, I guess, you know, not a lot of people saw it, but if you pre-order your extended PH guide um, from the Fantasy Flight game uh, website, you also receive 10 different magic spell cards. So you have all the or like handy reference cards with, you know, what the each spell does and all the difficulty uh, dice added for different... Uh, effects you want to add to your spell, whether it's attack or anything like that. And, uh, yeah, ten yeah. magic spell cards. But, but wait, Stefan, isn't there just seven in the, in the core book? Yes, but the expanded player's guide adds three more actions. Cool. One is called Mask, one is Transform, and one is Predict. So from the names, of course, you can probably guess at what kind of things that uh, these actions will do. So Cool. Can, Precognition and uh, shape change and illusions and, and so forth. Yes. So we'll put a link in the show notes. So if you order, uh, you'll get those cards uh, in addition to uh, the book. Yes. Oh, look, I've got it right here. It's right above mm-hmm. the picture of yep. the spell cards. Furthermore, mm-hmm. if you pre order the expanded player's guide, yeah, there you you'll go. get the 10. Yeah, it's there. It's, uh, Gotta read all the words. When I saw, <laughs> yep, when, when I saw that, it's like, yep, I'm placing my pre-order now. So <laughs> Cool. It'll, go, it'll be good. A little reference uh, for my face-to-face game, which I'm, uh, I'm putting together pretty soon. Uh, and this upcoming Saturday, actually, we are having our session zero. So, oh, good luck. Uh, and, yeah, so, and I'll be, I'll be running a... Converting an old fantasy flight game setting called Dragon Star, which of course was for another popular D20 system, <laughs> and uh, of course adapting it to uh, Genesis. So using a lot of stuff from Terranoth book, Android, and uh, the Star Canna, which was on the GM Foundry as sources that I'm picking and choosing. Cool, dude. But hey, you know this is a good time for us to talk about today's show topic which yes. we are going to be doing a setting spotlight on mm-hmm. Twilight Imperium and Space Opera. So yes. cool. Here we go. Yeah, dude. All right. Well, hey, we got a little bit of feedback. Oh, yes, I, we do. I've chosen this uh, from David A. Klempa, entitled To Tony, Chris, and Stefan. Hey, guys, I have finally, after months and trips to the gym and walks of the dog, which is when I normally listen to such things, I finally completed all the episodes of your series. Great work. I hope Walks of the Dog isn't, like, code for anything. Right? <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> I actually think he's physically walking his dog. I'm just <laughs> saying. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I, was, I was very interested in your episode on mass combat, Rally the Troops. You referenced a system from one of the Star Wars supplements, but unfortunately I don't own any of the Star Wars material. And Follow the Leader is not available on drive-thru. Any suggestions? Uh, And then in the extra spicy episode, you discussed pulp tropes and mentioned chases being an integral part of the setting. I agree, but notice that chases are not covered in the Genesis rules. So, how do you handle them? Competitive skill checks? Some kind of skill challenge? I've toyed with a variation of the system from the old James Bond 007 game uh, RPG, but that might overly complicate things. Since I'm running a fantasy campaign and have been cons- uh, tearing off and have been considering adding a new effect, 
these are all multiple questions here, uh, mm -hmm. to the augment, barrier, conjure, and curse actions, uh, basically those that have a concentration option, in that you can use the extend effect by adding two purple difficulty dice. The spell lasts for a number of turns equal to your ranks in knowledge lore. A triumph may be spent to have the spell last for the encounter. If nothing else, this addition would give the dispel action increased importance. And I don't want to make magic itself overpowered. What do you think? And on a side note, with the emphasis on steampunk you guys have shown lately, I was wondering if you've read The Aeronauts Windlass by Jim Butcher. It seems as ha it has everything that you would enjoy in this setting. Airships, weird science, slash magic, haves and have-nots, half-catfolk warrior class, mysterious <laughs> alien menace, mm -hmm. mysterious alien menace, talking cats. Dude, I'm in love already. And a, <laughs> a great first entry in a new series, hardly recommend. Uh, that's all for now. Thanks for your help, and keep up with the good work. So, out of all those questions, guys, yeah. uh, what do we tackle first? <laughs> yeah, what would you like to tackle? Well, let's go back. Let's go from the top. I okay. think. So he doesn't own any of the Star Wars material. Mm -hmm. um, any suggestions? Um, well, you go pick up the book, <laughs> listen to That's... our episode. We pretty much went through as much as we could with it. Mm -hmm. um, there's um, there's other options out there, but I can't recommend them on air um there yeah. is uh the, the thing is is that fantasy flight while they do own they do have the license from lucasfilm mm -hmm. uh ea had the uh electronic license so therefore they cannot produce pdfs of any of the star wars books right which is why those are not available on drive through mm -hmm. um it's a something to do with digital goods and right. all the Copyrights, legal legalese all the legal and stuff. whatnot. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So really, there is no other place to to find it unless someone is kind enough to photocopy it and share it with you. There's nothing against the law as a friend photocopying it and sharing it. Mm -hmm. um, but as far as <laughs> but as far as the way that I mean, competitive skill checks is a great way of doing it, and then you could come up with things like. Um, throwing obstacles out there to um what do you call it to um <clears throat> to add setback boost dice those kinds of things just kind of come up with your own with your own own things there and then i think we had went over the chase rules in one of our episodes too but um well there isn't really any chase rules and we didn't do them but i did a chase using the chase rules from star wars yeah uh in, on my android the uh, game that I ran for you yep. guys on over on the brewery. Yeah, that's a good one to listen to. Listen and to that's, that case. That was fun. And I even kind of went into explaining it after the fact a little bit for, for Jamie because he was curious. Uh, so Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. All right, Stefan? Uh, yeah, for mass combat, if you want to keep it simple, focus maybe uh, if, if some characters have leadership, make them Roll that leadership to affect the battlefield in some way. Uh, if they're having some ideas to uh, to move people around, you know, or at least to reflect, even if the character, the player, doesn't have you know military knowledge, but you know his character does. So use that those advantages and triumphs and maybe setbacks and of course and despairs to <laughs> to affect yeah. the battle. The, the battle is their 
their allies and stuff. Oh, I guess I went uh, off topic there, didn't I? <laughs> I went down to the chases. Oops, sorry. No, no that's no. fine. Then, Back to mass combat. Yeah. yeah. And then and then chases. You know, yeah, they're not covered. Uh, maybe in the expanded players' guide, maybe not. But yeah, I think a skill challenge would be pretty cool. Uh, maybe even a pose skill challenge kind of thing. Uh, if you know, I don't know. Have to think about it. Maybe uh, if it has to be opposed. Yeah, I guess you could do an opposed with your adversaries so like a regular difficulty you know they, they impose purple and red dice uh to whatever action that the per- people are actually chasing in the mm-hmm. chases yeah yeah it really depends on uh, your flavor that you're looking for with yeah. both the mass combat and with the chase rules with the mass combat you can do you know i've done mass combat in many settings even in settings that didn't have mass combat rules i know i did it back in d shift 7d um, 3.5 before they came out with the Heroes of Battle book and gave you rules for it. I did a couple of mass battles, but I knew how I, I knew the direction I wanted the main battle to go in, mm-hmm. and I just let the players' actions and outcomes from their roles affect the area of the battlefield around them, yeah. but not the larger larger narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was one way that I did it. Uh, there's other ways where I let players control actual huge segments of the battlefield by giving them quick, easy stats. They'd have a one, two, three, or four rating in something, and basically that would give your percentile dice of success 25, 50, or uh, 75, or 100 percent to succeed on something, mm-hmm. or you know, and and I just kind of quick hard coded it out, rolled it with percentile dice, and moved on. Um, that's an easy way to do it. Um, chase rules, I think they they should have put them in. I hope they come out in the advanced player's guide. Uh, yeah. th- their chase rules yeah. are simple and easy and sleek. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you you treat the range bands as if they're board almost like a small board game in front of you. It's a linear one, but you tr- yeah. you know your players start at this range increment. Your enemy or adversary start at this range increment, and whoever whom's chasing who, you move them in the same direction, and they yeah. just get closer uh, or get further away. And once they're beyond the the second rank of extreme range, they've gotten away, or whomever's trying to flee right. has gotten away. So mm-hmm. it's and if once they get to engaged range, that's when you start a combat or a social yeah. encounter. Yep. So. Yeah. And if you want to go a little more, a little more action-packed and pulpy, yeah. Hey, if you're in engage range, then you can do stuff like boarding the other yeah. hover car or ship or you know, yeah. however, jump, however you want to do it. Yeah, jump across or something. Jump yeah. to the, the other chariot or whatever vehicle. Yep, yep, that too. Yeah, yeah all that. Yeah. yeah, and just one little idea I had real quick, you know, for even mass going back to mass combat, mm-hmm. treat some some large amounts of troops as. Minion groups. Of course, you're not going to... If there's 50 soldiers, you're not going to have 50 dice. But depending on the quality of troops, they could still have one, two, three, four dice, you know, and pitting against other other minion groups of similar size, and you still make them roll, and mm-hmm. you don't even have to increase the hit points. Like, okay, this is hit points for... A, or wounds, you, know, you mean, right? An entire squad. You yeah, mean wounds, wounds, right? Sorry. 
Yeah. <laughs> wounds. yeah, wounds for one squad of you yeah. know fifty is ten or twelve yeah, or something. Exactly. Or twenty if they're right. you know if they're really good heavy armor. <laughs> right. Or or it's like or you could does. just say or you could just use the whole minions kind of rule where you hit mm-hmm. them they're gone, right? Like one success takes out a minion group, and another success takes maybe out another one or something. However you want to do it. Yeah. yeah. Now on to his little um, extend rule uh, uh, Mm -hmm. spell feature, which I thought I liked it. Um, Yeah, kind of cool. I I thought, you know what, you could just apply this as a tier one talent uh, that lets you apply it to a new, a tier one ranked talent and lets you apply it to a new spell type for each uh, rank that you take in it. If you're having, you know, because he did say he didn't want to make magic overpowered. So if you right. thought, if you're having balance issues, mm-hmm. you could make this a tier one talent mm-hmm. uh, ranked, and then they could apply it to any of those listed. And each time they took a rank, it would apply to a different one. Which the ones he had listed were augment, barrier, conjure, and curse. And you could even have attack to have a, like a the representation of a area of effect spell. That right, effect. Like for instance, you know, an attack with the lightning. You just summoned a storm that's now in the area, and lightning is striking in that area. For, oh, there you go. <laughs> for several that's rounds of cool. combat. Yeah, and yeah, you can and you can also awesome. limit it. You can also limit it to the to the rank your ranks in knowledge lore, right, or whatever your linked knowledge is. Like if you have mm-hmm. two ranks in knowledge lore, then you can you can. Throw extend on two actions like augment and barrier or something. You can kind of limit yep. it that way if you're afraid it's going to become a little overpowered as well, right? <clears throat> exactly. Maybe cost an extra strain or two. Mm-hmm. But it but it costing two difficulty. That's that's a hefty price too, because yeah. it limits to what what you could put on the spell itself, right? <clears throat> well, exactly. I think as a talent might be. A good way to go, at least a tryout first. Yeah. Try it out. Be. Tier 1 ranked talent. You know, co- up to your knowledge and ranks and knowledge lore or whatever knowledge, you know, forbidden if you if it's tearing off and you, you yep. use that as your main uh, mm-hmm. yardstick. And uh, yeah, if you want, start out with costing an extra strain per spell. And if it's too cost too much well then you can always yeah. retcon it's like okay never mind the strain it's still limited but well know. i mean because because basically what are we saying here we're saying that you're putting the extend effect on a mm-hmm. spell instead of spending a maneuver to concentrate right yeah I mean, that's that's it, it's action economy at that point mm-hmm. in a way <clears throat> so right. yeah however you want to do it yeah. Now, he he did give us a bit of a follow-up to that email, about particularly about Extend. That's why I wanted to go into it now. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And he says, other thoughts on Extend. I haven't considered the talent approach. Thanks for that. It led me to further define it. Let me know if I'm overthinking this. I thought I'd change the cost to one difficulty and one automatic upgrade to the difficulty. Because you're pushing the normal parameters of spellcasting, so it's kind of subsequently more dangerous. Then I'd have a tier two ranked talent called Fire and Forget. Uh, select one spell type, Augment, Barrier, Conjure, or Curse, and your character may add the extend effect without increasing its difficulty. There is still an auto upgrade to the difficulty. 
Each additional time you purchase this talent, you may select an additional spell type. Ooh, I actually like that. I like the yeah. I like the danger, danger Will Robinson part of it because if you roll some bad stuff, yeah, like despair I don't, on a magic check is nothing to cry about. Yeah, I mean you can you can, you can lose your connection to like magic for the encounter at that yeah. point if the DM is such a jerk. You mean <laughs> GM? Well, whatever. True. Both. Both. Gotcha. <laughs> you did get me. That's all right. I've been dungeon mastering lately. I'm proud of it. <laughs> and, uh, yes, I have. Yeah, uh, I like that uh, better, actually. And I have checked out the Aeronauts Windlass. I have ordered it on mm-hmm. my Amazon. Thank you for letting me know about that because I do enjoy Jim Butcher. He's a good author. And, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I like some steampunk. So I, I, saw... oh, go ahead. I, actually, I actually read. Aeronauts win less a while back when it came out. And I, because I really love Jim Butcher and his old Dresden series. Oh, cool. And I do like this one too. I mean, yeah, it's a little slow to begin with. It's a pretty hefty book, but it, it drags you in. You know, there's little things that you can almost imagine this being, you know, a gaming group. And they're, this is the first few sessions you're bringing the characters together. So this person comes from this high society this one's low society this one medium and the talking cats those are awesome <laughs> they're they're, <laughs> yeah, they're forming yeah. clans but not everyone can understand them which is cool but oh, okay there are everyone knows they're smart <laughs> hmm. that's amazing love it and yeah th- those cat warriors are like almost like genetically altered people so almost like a warrior cast within yeah. these family clans so when they do fight against each other it's like wow <laughs> you know like the you know, Remember oh, what the uh, the superhero TV series there, uh, Mutant Chronicles, Mutant X, on TV. Uh, it wasn't X Men, but uh, it was almost a, co- a copy. And one type of mutant was were called Ferals, basically. Oh, okay. So they didn't actually have adamantium claws, but still, they when they fight, yeah, their their height, their senses are all heightened, and you know, almost like bullet time for them. Everything else is slows down. Nice. <laughs> Nice. All right. Yeah, well, cool setting. I'm hoping that book two comes out eventually. Uh, I know there was quite a few years between the two books. Oh well. <laughs> well, thank you, Dave, for writing us. Uh, I appreciate it. And uh, keep listening. We'll we'll continue to keep bounding out product, as, you know, or uh, what whatever you want to call this thing that we do. Uh, wow. as, uh... Suggestions. <laughs> a waste of time for all of you listening. While you walk your dogs, these, <laughs> these ramblings of three old men. Yeah, our, our, thank you for listening, everybody. <laughs> Putting up with us. All right, mm-hmm. well, let's uh, let's move on to the next thing. All right. Fifty pieces of awesome. This is where Chris Holmes goes out on the internet and scours it for the greatest and latest. Chris, what have you got for us this week? Uh, <laughs> all right. Hey, Tony. That's my best That's movie a, trailer voice. You know, yeah. Great movie phone. <laughs> what we have is, out here at the <laughs> what we have is Inquisition, Inquisition, Inquisition again. Yes, again, everybody, but. This is the Dark Fantasy Campaign, version 3.1, off of 
the um, Genesis Foundry. Um, w- William Tardif, a.k.a. Corlal. Um, Guillaume. 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 I know, I'm horrible. I'm horrible with names. <laughs> but um, we're talking 118 pages of awesomeness. He added about 30 pages to this. Um, extended, you know, I must say, this is a... Uh, feels like a a better, more complete product now, and I'm impressed. I want to freaking play in this, Tony. You need to run it, or I'll run it. <laughs> Why is it always me? Because you're so good at running things. <laughs> <laughs> no, so basic. So what you so what he's done is he's added added more to the gazetteer, so kind of fleshed out the world a bit. Um, one of the things that he did is he pulled in the vampire and werewolf talents. From Drainsmith, got permission from him, added those in. Um, plus, he added witches and grave walkers, which Count is kind of cool. In. Yeah, and the, and he kind of separated those into different areas in the in the talent section. Um, and what's what's really cool is the so how you become a grave walker, and everybody can figure out what that means. Um, is hang on a minute, let me go into the place where was it where the character oh yeah character creation is like way down um (laughs) so the talent is called so in order to become a grave walker which is basically an undead you first have to take fear the reaper (laughs) it's a talent that makes you more um vulnerable to dying (laughs) because it's ultimately about you know, dying at mm. some point. Um, it, the crit rating of any attack is reduced by one. It gains a vicious two quality. <laughs> but then once you die, then this Fear the Reaper talent converts into the Gravewalker. So now you're undead. You have this silver um, anathema, which you're vulnerable to weapons that have silver on it, like other things. You have. I don't know. I just think that's a kick-ass concept to just say, yep, this is the direction I want to take my character. You're going to kill me, and I'll come back as a great walker. Um, nice. So, yeah, that's pretty sweet. Cool. Um, a couple of other talents I have not seen a precedent for this yet. Um, there's something called um, archers. So these are both Tier 2 talents. Archer's Focus and Two-Handed Grip. Similar. So one is, you know, when you're making a ranged weapon, if they didn't maneuver, if they didn't use a maneuver to ready or stow a weapon, they add an advantage to the result. Which is kind of cool. And then a Two-Handed Grip is if you're making a combat check with a melee light weapon that has an encumbrance value of at least two, then... um, you can add an advantage to the to the um, to the result if you're not using it if you don't have anything in your other in your second hand so you're kind of you know using a two-handed right. grip. I haven't I hadn't seen that anywhere. How about you guys? That's kind of oh, neat. That's nice. Those, those uh-huh. are those are neat. I thought I saw a talent that allowed people to use a two-handed weapon one-handed. Yep. 
Yeah, this uh, is just taking like that small. It kind of reminds me right. of like the dwarven war axe, right? Where you can use it with one hand, it doesn't do quite as much damage. But then if you use right. it two handed, then it gets a little more. And this just adds an advantage, you know, a little more, little more um, chance for, for you. To, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then um, he's expanded this the the GM section as well. Um, there's the character sheet is pretty sweet looking. It's got like those neat little graphics in the um, in the characteristics windows, and the font is just, you know, it's a nice font, and it too just kind of evokes that that medieval dark fantasy setting for me. Plus, he's got an adventure called Dying Light out there available. I snarfed up both of those things, and yeah, this looks cool. This is very nice. cool. Very well done. Very well done. <clears throat> well, I had not yet purchased it, but now I'm convinced. Chris loves it. He wants me to run it. So, Guillaume, <laughs> yep, I so. guess I'll be purchasing it this Thursday when I get paid. Yeah, does your arm hurt? <laughs> 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 no, I do I do look forward to reading it. It, it was. It is on my... It was already in my cart. I just hadn't purchased it yet because I do have to li- I do have to budget my uh, um, RPG spending uh, with a with a with a new wife who uh, is not in the hobby. <laughs> I hear you. It's it is easier when your wife's a dork and will play with you. Yeah, with it does. Can, yeah. Um, yeah. But. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. And a bit of a bit of a little bit of an overhaul. Now, I don't I don't know if it's an overhaul to his witchcraft, but there is magic in this setting with witchcraft, and um, we might get a taste of it in a little while, maybe a little foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. There we go. Are there, there go. Uh, are there adversaries in it? Oh yeah, yeah. No? Yeah. Any good ones? I am going to look. Um, actually, there was. Oh, what the heck was it? It was the, um... Oh, shoot. Bang. I know. I know. Inquisitor's pretty sweet. These are nasty. Oh, the Knights... Oh, there's some Knights Templar as well, which looks pretty nasty. There's the Pope. You can fight the Pope. (laughs) That's cool. Some priests, some yeah. There's a nice set of adversaries. Then there's the um, then there's some corrupted adversaries as well. So like you do, mm-hmm, like grave walkers. <laughs> there's a uh, flare. What's this flare? An abomination result of somebody being exposed to Lilithia's essence. So yeah, well, it's pretty nasty. Hey. I just want to add this because I was looking at it on Drive Through RPG. It looks like he has received best seller copper status. Yeah. Yes, he has. Congratulations, there, bud. There you go. So maybe after uh, this episode, a few listeners will listen and they'll bump it up to silver. There we go. So, uh, silver. so there you go. So congratulations, Guillaume Tardif. So you've got 50 pieces of copper awesome for now <laughs> and maybe it'll be upgraded to 50 pieces of silver awesome <laughs> <laughs> sweet yeah, alright well Guillaume enjoy those on top of the other 50 that we gave you last time there we go and what kind everyone of else you're getting? go out and enjoy the setting it looks good I'll, mm-hmm. I'll give you it really looks good yeah it does yeah when you want to recreate uh, kind of a witcher's 
game kind of setting. There we go. Mm-hmm. All right. Welcome back. We are um, on the next section of our show called The Books of Genesis. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> All right, we're back down to under 10 listeners after that one, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah, just put, in some, put it in auto-tune. You'll be perfect. Yeah, that's sweet. <laughs> I'm on a boat. No. Um, so, it's in hose. So, yeah, so open up your book um, to the core rule book to page 179, mm-hmm. page 180 mm-hmm. if you're into PDF like myself, mm-hmm. um, to the space opera section. So we're going to be talking space opera. We're going to go over some tropes, species, gear, adversaries, and then we'll talk um, about their specific setting example later. Um, But for right now, gentlemen, space opera versus sci-fi, it's a type of sci-fi, but we do have a couple types of sci-fi. What do we think of the differences between these two? Well, the main difference in space opera, that the adventure is not over until the fat alien has sung. Sweet. <laughs> so we're talking the fifth element. <laughs> Could be. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and that, that's exactly it. You're looking at the high adventure is more important than mm-hmm. scientific accuracy. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, it's not Star Trek with all the techno babble of bypassing the uh, matter reactor and whatever this and that. Mm-hmm. It, it, it kind of is, though. More. I would think Star Trek is kind of a space opera because you really don't care. They throw in a techno battle because, yeah, it works. Yeah. Teleporters, you know, yeah. we're going to reconfigure there's a, there's a this. Focus <laughs> on, there's a heavy focus on the technology. Oh, yeah, you could say a bit more space opera. Something more like Event Star Horizon Wars. or you know, Star it would Wars. be more Star Star Wars, gritty Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Uh, space, I mean. Whereas, yeah, Star Wars is definitely space opera. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's just th- th- those really are both space opera. The the big yeah. difference is that one focuses more on its tech, one fo- focuses more on its mystic sides of things. Mm-hmm. And and at the end of the day, though, what there is no real science behind what's in any the things that are going on. It's all made up stuff. That mm-hmm. while they the techno babble does in a Star Trek setting does sound like they know what they're talking about, they're mm-hmm. really just talking out their ass. Right. <laughs> yeah, because you haven't discovered anything of what they uh, <laughs> they're talking about. Yeah, so it's heavy on so it says here heavy on the adventure, light on the actual science, and that's exactly what it is. Well, that's yeah. it. The science yeah. is all about just the part of the. That's it. It's all part of the decor, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like you look in Star Wars, very small ships that can span galaxies or st- star systems. Mm-hmm. They always have enough oxygen in the tiny little ship. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Skywalker goes from Hoth to Dagobah in an X-wing, and he has enough air <laughs> and enough food, apparently. <laughs> Even though he spends, I don't know, hours, maybe days in there. Of course he does. That's what R two's doing. He's recycling uh, the air, right? Well, I, guess. I have no idea. <laughs> but yeah, that's. There's technology aboard the ship that makes it possible. So even on a small ship, they can. That's right. So other space the operas. Force. Yeah. What other space operas do we have? Would well the exp- I don't know. Looking, if, go ahead. No, if you're looking at um, movies for inspiration, mm-hmm. you've got and some of these were books too. You've got Titan A.E. 
Oh yeah, um, did you watch that last weekend? That's cool. Uh, you've got Valerian mm-hmm. uh, and the City of a Thousand Planets. You've got Jupiter Rising, um, yeah. Fifth Element, like you mentioned. Yep, yep. Chronicles of Riddick. Uh, all of those are space opera. Some maybe darker than others. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I would consider for, I would consider Firefly space opera. Oh yeah, even yeah. though it seems a little gritty. You're still, yeah. you are talking about the solar system as a whole, a small group of folks, small group of big damn heroes, mm-hmm. high stakes, grand yeah. stories. And that's kind of our first trope here, right? Yeah. yeah. Far, Farscape would be a that's yep. another great. series. Yeah. Farscape. Oh, I've Metal been watching. Star Galactica. Yep. Yep. I've been watching um, Stargate oh, that's with that. my daughter. Yeah. That's, that's space opera because it traverses space, even if they aren't mm-hmm. all using spacecraft. Mm-hmm. Nope. Nope. They do in exactly. the later. They do in the later seasons. They they do get into their yeah, traveling across, but yeah, they do have ships uh, eventually. But yeah, at, at first it's all through the stargates, of course. And again, it's Ooh, all spoiler. About, sorry. <laughs> you know, well, and it's all about and, and again, it's all about that grand story of the the whole solar system is is in danger of this enemy, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, so cool. Babylon Five. There's another one. Oh yeah, that's a yeah. good. That was I'll a great watch. one. I'll have to watch that one again. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> I love yeah, it. Great. Got to get through but, the first uh, season, though, man. Oh yeah, there's a ton. And <laughs> yeah, what most people love about serialized sci-fi TV shows and movies is space opera. There's a ton mm-hmm. of them out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I I can and you go into books. Dark Beyond Matter. the first movie, you can the uh, Dark Matter is another good TV show. Um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Killjoys. Killjoys. Another yeah, one. dude, that's a good one. Um, but uh, crap, I lost my train. Oh, bo- uh, books. There's um, there's a movie out there, but the books get even more into the mythology, and that's the whole Dune series. Oh yeah. Um, which is even kind of like on the scale of. You know, when we get into reading about Twilight Imperium, those are almost on the same scale. Those two epic stories. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Sci-Fi Channel had made an extended, let's say, short series based on the books, and they were much, yeah, miniseries. They were m- much more faithful to the books than the actual big movie. I remember watching. Which I found, and yeah, a little smaller budget, so sometimes the graphics might not be as great, but the story was still there. I mean, so amazing right. how the- top-notch acting too. So. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, definitely big scope. You know, you're not just dealing with save the neighborhood or save the country. No, this is save the entire planet or the empire. Yep. You know, these houses that span multiple systems. You know. Yeah, and and that's pretty much. And we've pretty much gone over this first trope: the grand mm-hmm. stories, singular heroes, high stakes. That's what yeah. that is. What's our What's our the, next trope here? The, well, the, oh, the key, ahead. the last three words in that whole trope is always think big mm-hmm. with your stories, your heroes and your um, environments. Yes. Okay. Now we can go on to the next one. Next one, which we've already touched as well. You guys, one of you guys want to pick that one up? I can. Go ahead. So impossible technology, no big deal. <laughs> so unlike hard sci-fi where the space, uh, space opera technology is rarely a focus, Although at the same time, it's impossibly advanced and just considered a part of the world around them. Mm-hmm. Uh, it exists to serve the story, but doesn't drive it. 
and uh, characters are always walking around with these implausible, nasty weapons and armors and gear, ships. Mm-hmm. Uh, and their ships mm-hmm. are going to have you know disintegrator beams or uh, force fields, tractor beams, and they'll yep. have flying cars and all kinds of shit. And a common example, of course, is faster than light travel, which you know is still to our science impossible. But mm-hmm. in space opera. There's always a way. It's either a fuel source or a device Mm -hmm. or a new science that they figured out, a way to open wormholes, whatever it may be. There's a way to get from point A to point B quickly so that you can have these galaxy-spanning stories. Exactly. And I ran a a Starfinder. I would consider that space opera. Oh, it is. That whole setting, most definitely. You know, that whole... Andromeda. uh, Andromeda. Oh, yeah. I just thought of... Remember that yeah, yep. so this so this idea of, you know what, I got this laser pistol, I have to put this thing in it and it'll shoot, who cares? It's just going to shoot out a friggin' laser beam, or yep. maybe a particle weapon or something like that. <laughs> yeah, you can call it what you want, it's an energy weapon, and it, people have communicators and little cyber arms, or, and there's, or artificial intelligences and droids, you know, robots are common. Everything is done that way, and mm-hmm. it's just part of you know it's as common as for us having the internet, <laughs> right? So let's see what's our what's our next trope here. You want to take that one, Stephanie? Want me to? Yeah, and the next one is has a bit of a painting artistic note, so that's all up my up my alley. Broad strokes for a big canvas. So this is where yeah. As a GM, you want to have a story that is is big, you know, um, scenes on a on a grand scale. You know, again, Star Wars, of course, is our it's a go to for comparison. Uh, when you describe a planet, it's not just you know a planet like Earth. No, no, it's it's a desert planet. It's a water planet. The whole thing is one environment most of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, an ice planet. Uh, very rarely you'll have a planet that has multiple ecosystems like Earth, but usually, you know, and then you'll have asteroid fields all, all over the place, huge ships. Uh, as well, of course, you know, you've got alien species, uh, different types of humans maybe that uh, have colonized different worlds, so they may almost be the equivalent of different, alien, different you know, races. So, uh, mm-hmm. and, it makes and I like, go ahead, Tony. I like the fact that they talk about like your governments kind of have broad s- scopes as well. They have these, yeah. um, you know, they, your governments are, they're, they're not minute. Like, you know, anybody that has ever spent five minutes trying to understand modern politics knows that it's a mm. jumbled up mess, mm-hmm. yeah. but in, in interstellar politics, your factions are large and sweeping, and they all have yeah. the similar ideals. And you might have the outlying straggler that has, you know, sits on the fence. But the scope of things is a large group. They all have the same ideals and culture right. and yeah, a planetary government kind of thing. Yes, uh, just like you know, in some cases, and we go back to Star Trek, where you know, sometimes when you meet a new race, it's an entire government that represents the planet. Almost everyone is dressed the same kind of way. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's and they only right. have only have a bit of a forehead 
you know, difference. Uh, <laughs> a forehead right. wrinkle that makes them yeah. totally alien. That's right. Exactly. Or they have a spoon in the middle of their forehead. Sorry, That's I've been it. watching so. Deep Space Nine. <laughs> the Cardassians. <laughs> I, I, I like this. Oh, you've been watching Keeping Up with the Cardassians, huh? Yes. Yes, exactly. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I like Make this last so. this last sentence in the first paragraph here. Space mm-hmm. opera is about drama and story, not minutia. So don't get wrapped up in the details. Like no. we said, have that have those broad strokes covering you know your different worlds and have a skeleton mm-hmm. there. You don't really have to get into the details. Oh, and that's a great way to use advantage, triumph, despair, threat. Those little, those broad strokes, despair and threat, not knowing the minutia can mm-hmm. come into play. You know, little cultural minutia and mm-hmm. advantage and triumph, little cultural things that your players can throw as players. You, you know, hey, I got two advantage. Well, I happen to know these guys really like gawk. Yeah. Or whatever that freaking yeah. worm food is, you know, and I'm <laughs> yeah. gonna say that we our cook had some on hand and, and yeah. he prepared it for him. You know, those kinds mm-hmm. of things are great in these kinds of settings. Yep. And as a GM, be open to that. Be open to those little ideas that your players have. Listen to them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, it's great. I, re- I remember a situation where you were running us, Chris, through uh, Star Wars Adventures, okay. the first one on the on the planet with the. The old separate ship, and we were suddenly faced with these little swarms of insects or whatever, and I just picked up some local reeds or things or you know plants to swat them away, and since I've had some advantages, I said, well, the, the sap that's coming out of this sort of tangles them up. I don't remember the exact, but yeah, acts almost like, you know, like a sap that tangles them up, so... That's yeah. minutia. It's like, yeah, you didn't think of it. I didn't think of it in the hand mm-hmm. ahead of ahead of uh, ahead of time. But it's part of the world now. It's like, okay, there's there's a plant that that has sap that forms almost like a web when you're whiffling it around. <laughs> yeah, nice. All right, Chris. All right. What about aliens and androids? They're there. Who cares how <laughs> they where they came from? You don't necessarily have to worry about. Oh, big corporations are going to be destroying mm-hmm. is all these androids are going to be taken over um what do you call it with our jobs and scrap yeah. oh no but hey i'll be back it might be happening <laughs> that might be happening on a planet you know yeah. where androids are being repl- you know your your laborers are being replaced with androids and there's an issue there and you're on that planet and you have to deal with it um but like you know, genetically engineered hybrids, even holograms, you know, all those kinds of things are are here. Um, let's see. And yeah, like like I said, like interspecies diplomacy will probably be part of it. You know, um, your androids taking over jobs of other people too. If you want to put that, if you want to put a little bit of what are, what are we what are we saying? Like shadows of the beanstalk. Into your into, yeah. into your space opera, feel free. Um, let's see. So basically, it's it's replacing the placing the story and excitement over realism again. It's another. There's that whole theme. It doesn't really matter. Um, and then your aliens, they're out there, you know. And do they speak your language? Sure, everybody could speak. 
common or whatever. But if it, but if there is a, but there, if there is a point where communication is a barrier, that could be an interesting story to kind of figure out. Oh, how do we communicate with these with these aliens and whatever? The key is that the commonplace aliens are. Yeah very human-like in mm-hmm. not only in their look, their feel, their cultures, you know, yeah. I've, I've, I've heard players and this is just me. I've heard people say that they can't play anything other than a human. And honestly, come on now the the you're human. You mm-hmm. can play something else. They're, it, they're essentially human. They're just human light is what yeah. they are. Yep. Yeah. And, and they have different quirks, but they're essentially a human personality. Well, That's right. In many in many of these settings, sometimes they'll focus on a certain aspect, let's say, of human behavior, and in, in, and focus on like Klingons are warriors, okay? Take or, or even Vi- human culture, yeah. Yeah, they take Vikings in space, basically. That's right. You know, Kardashians. Kardashians are manipulative. <laughs> yeah, the Kardashians do. Oh, the speaking Kardashians of Klingons. Speaking of Klingons, I just watched the Trouble with Tribbles episode. Where yeah. the the Deep Space Nine the people go back there and Worf is around a table. They're like, "Wait a second, those are Klingons." And he's like, "Yeah, we don't talk about that yeah. part of our history. <laughs> we only talk about it internally to the Empire." Oh, that's it. You know, one <laughs> of them will be the extremely merchant and and greedy. You know, okay, Ferengi. You know, uh, so you can you can the races sometimes are almost not caricatures, but they just push a bit. One particular aspect, maybe yeah. of human human behavior, because humans are very, very varied. Like a lot of game right. systems, you know, they always talk about how humans are adaptable and don't exactly fit one mold. Well, right. you know, sometimes alien races sometimes will fit a specific mold. Ones are some are scientists, some like the Vulcans, more some more warrior like, some mm-hmm. are merchants, so, and so forth. That's right. Uh, so now, now the last you can't paragraph, play other races than humans. <laughs> yeah. The last paragraph there, Tony. What you and the last paragraph, what that does is because of the players' races and the races that are available uh, do that. They have that kind of assumed human behavior. When there is something that is completely, utterly inhuman and alien, it becomes interesting. It becomes a story element. It becomes something that you can you know, build an entire story around it with horror and revulsion that the creatures would inspire by, by all the other human-like aliens uh, to the, all the, all the other human-like aliens around you. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's, those are great little story elements when you have everybody, Hey, we're all aliens, but you know, that's crazy and weird over there. Yeah. <laughs> Why does he have six arms? <laughs> Cause he's a skitter dancer. Damn it. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <Skitter right>. <laughs> Maybe there's only one race, and that's a, a hive mind, and they're 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 attacking everyone. And... That's right. And maybe you're in a tavern, and you have to travel between worlds. <laughs> oh, that's another, oh, wait a second. That's, that's something else. That's another TV show. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> Ooh, wait a second. Good. Which uh, when we talked about like uh, speech or communication, that just reminded me. We, we watched uh, recently the first episode of. Uh, Farscape, which, yep. you know, the human character, of course, John Crichton, mm-hmm. doesn't know how to speak alien languages, obviously. You hear them speak their own language. And one of these little drones aboard the ship injects him with these translating bacteria. Nanobacteria. 
one of the guys, Rigel, explains this to him. So, so yes, they're, they, they, they rest at the base of your cerebellum and they translate. That's all they do. What? I've got bacteria that translate? Yeah, but that's all they do. Like, all right. <laughs> Apparently, in their sector of, of the galaxy, everyone, almost everyone, is injected at birth with these things. So, that's awesome. <laughs> it's like, no, universal translators? Nah, you don't need that. You've no, got you nanites. <laughs> you know, you've got bacteria. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, there's all kinds of ways to slice it. Exactly. Yeah. And you know what? It doesn't have to make sense. It no, really doesn't, just, as long as it works. Exactly. This is how we do it. We, we're just calling it bacteria. They also <laughs> brush their teeth with a worm that, you know, <laughs> instead of using toothbrush, it's a worm that cleans, that feeds off of whatever tartar and That's food that sits in between. Yeah, but <laughs> leaves, appar- leaves apparently a nice minty smell, uh, scent on your mouth. <laughs> you just, as long as you don't swallow it. <laughs> That's great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so our last trope here. What do we have here, Tony, for our last so, trope? The last trope is this seems familiar. And really, this one comes down to the space opera settings feature familiar tropes from other genres. This likely stems from its favoring of adventure and excitement over its scientific accuracy. But whether it places the future in another galaxy altogether or space opera setting uh, with it's going to have some of the elements of a Western or a medieval fantasy or a detective story or just about anything else can be a part of. That's why when we were listing off all these different sources, I mean, we went space Western clear out there with, uh, you know, um, Firefly. That's a Firefly. Shit, they, even, they even had cattle that they yeah. that they transported on a spaceship. <laughs> and, you know, that's cool. Uh, space opera settings can include duty-bound star-faring knights or desperados and with high-tech revolvers. Characters could wield advanced melee weapons, uh, even though guns are equally advanced. And, and depending on the setting, plausible explanations might be provided for why they believe in such anachronisms. But the thing is to simply remember Chris's favorite rule. The rule of cool. There we go. Right. One advantage. A, yeah, the sidebar on page 65, 165 is pretty sweet. That goes over yeah. the rule of cool. Yeah. Uh, one advantage to this uh, about this trope it has uh, as a GM is that you can borrow literally from anywhere. Mm-hmm. Video games, books, TV, comic books, mm-hmm. uh Movies, current events, your, your current <laughs> events, your your, cra- your crazy uncle's drunken stories, whatever, um, and throw them in there. It, they'll fit. Just yep. reskin it to make it alien and weird. Well, here, here you go from the from the so a train robbery, right? Mm-hmm. We we had a train robbery in the solo movie, mm-hmm. right? Yep, pretty yeah. much. Uh, a train heist. A train so. heist, and they even had one. They had one in um, Firefly too. Yeah. Yep. So, so it's just yeah. reskinning the uh, the look of it, but you know, the setting. You know, I'm. I like I said. You know, talked a little bit about my Dragon Star setting, which is pretty much a, a space opera. It's mm-hmm. basically Dungeons and Dragons in space. So uh, I'm hoping to recreate that. So you'll have your your instead of having. Alien races, well, you still, they're still alien, but they're the traditional uh, fantasy races of elves and dwarves and uh, halflings, and your standard kind of classes modified a little bit. So you've got your fighter, you've got your sorcerer, your cleric, 
but slightly modified for the Galactic Empire. Sweet. That is a great segue there, Seven. It's as <laughs> you if you might have planned that, did you? Almost. Almost. <laughs> I may have thought about it in You in may advance. have thought about it? <laughs> awesome. Well, go oh. ahead. You're segueing into... On a segue. So, and segueing to the example setting that, of course, Fantasy Flight Games has, Twilight Imperium. Nope. No. No, nope. we're not. You, you totally screwed that up. Jeez. Oh. Come on, Stefan. No, no. We're saving that one for our um, setting the tone. But what? But your segue oh, is into the character options because you're talking about the elves oh, and dwarves and, and all that. Um, right. Yeah, with our species, with our different species here. Well, so, I've already worked on kind of converting or adapting those races simply. Yeah, so, uh, you know, you've got your drow, your elves, your your, mm-hmm. your humans, of course, half-elves, etc., even half-dragons, and uh, sort of an android species called uh, Solmex. Cool. So, and careers, of course, you know, your mm-hmm. fighters, your druids, your pilots, uh Right. Your, your leaders, uh, diplomats, and so forth, hackers. Excellent. All right, so on page 182, we get into mm-hmm. those character options for uh, any generic space opera. They list ones that are available pretty much in Twilight Imperium, but these are pretty much generic. Yeah. Um, you're going to have, because the first one is as generic as it gets with your animalistic alien. And um, so animalistic aliens in space opera could be a all kinds of different things. Maybe you have the lion-headed, um, what are they, Hakan or whatever the, it is? The Hakan, yes. The Hakan. From, oh, yeah. yeah. Or maybe you're turtle-headed like yeah. aliens or <laughs> you're uh, playing, you know, cat-like in some other form. You cat-like, know, what, wolf-like. Reptilian. Yep. Now, there's a there's hundred different ways to slice it. But traditionally, these species are slightly stronger, faster, or tougher than a human, and they share the traits of their non-sapient Terran species that they mimic. Mm -hmm. Um, So the example that they have here is basically the cat alien, and they're going to have they have a three brawn, three agility, two intellect, two cunning, one willpower, two or yeah, one willpower, two presence. So they already have unbalanced stats. Yep. and then their wound threshold is 10 plus brawn, strains 8 plus willpower. So those are, you know, fairly well balanced. And then the special ability they give you here. Um, an animalistic alien starts with one rank in athletics, coordination, or resilience during character creation and still can't train it above rank 2. And then natural weapons. An animalistic alien adds plus 2 damage to any brawl check they make. Now this could be a grasping tentacle. could be claws. It could be That's scything fine. Scything blades, it could be talons, a teeth. Bite. Yeah, a bite, yeah. yeah. A beak. It could be all kinds of things. Horns it's for, on your, minute, your forearm minotaur. <laughs> exactly. Right. This just gives you a basis for a simple species ability. Mm-hmm. And then because their stats are slightly out of balance and because they have a couple of nice, or they have really nice natural weapons, their XP is a little shorter uh, than the mm-hmm. average beginning character with only 70 starting XP. Right. Uh, 80, actually. No, it's 70. For the I see 80 in my book. Do you? On really? page 182? Yeah, yeah 182. Uh, I see 80, but... Well, this is a conundrum. 
Um, mm-hmm. I'm looking at my first printing book. Did you happen to buy it a later round or something? Um, maybe, but it's still version 1.0 that I've got. Wow. That's yeah. weird. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah it is. I was, I, and I was thinking you can switch an ability, like, for example, you know, we're talking about terrestrial animals. You could have your fish people just switch out natural weapons for amphibian. Mm-hmm. They can breathe water. Yep. Oh. And still yep. have 80 XP. Yeah. And because or it's 70, so low, depending on, the, the, on your book, <laughs> 70 feels better only because you have three threes in two abilities. And yeah. they're both of the primary combat stats. That's yeah, important. Brawn and you know, agility. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so the 70 is not bad. Now, 80, uh, both work. You know, yeah. depending what depends on what your balancing point is. Like in, you know, the standard human in the core rulebook was 110, but then you go to the standard human in Shadows of the Beanstalk, and they were 120. So, it all depends on what your starting point is, and you know what your standard okay. human is. So, yeah. well, in my for my Dragon Star, I think I'm I'm actually giving a little bit extra XP for to everybody just to represent that everyone has access to the high technology, so they get better education. But at least everyone's starting at least on the same level, even though I'm, they're higher than the core book. It still balances out. I'm just like giving them free XP. Cool. Yeah, and by kicking that, kicking that starting XP up to, uh, mm-hmm. for the base human to 120, that yeah. gives you more leeway for those species abilities when you're making your own species oh, yeah. as GM to to play with. Because once you get down to 70 or below. You're really limiting what they can do with that XP as a starting character. Yeah, at start, yeah. Exactly. Let's go on to the next one. And the next one is the psionic character or or psychic aliens. Those have supernatural powers, but not magic necessarily, but uh, powers of the mind. Uh, Usually, you know, of course, they'll have much higher willpower and intellect. Uh, trading that off for being, of course, physically weaker than, say, the Hakan, <laughs> which we just talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, however, your character, of course, gets in return three unique abilities uh, at start. So you don't even have to buy them. The, the, you can read minds, manipulate some emotions, and even harm opponents just by thinking of it. And of course, that hurt what, me with this thought. That's yes, right. Exactly. <laughs> you told me my mommy didn't like me. That's right. And you just thought it. <laughs> yeah. And of course, what they look like can depend. You know, they can look like the gray aliens that some people hear about being adopted by. They could be Vulcans. They could hey, simply. That really happened. No. Yeah. <laughs> All right, where where did they probe you? <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't you like and to his know? belly button? Yeah, it's, yes. right. <laughs> it's like a sarlacc pit. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Apparently, it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, so I'll, they have have a, I'll have to inspect that on the kind of the cup. Oh, hey, on a second, that just went on the internet right there. <laughs> <laughs> so. yes, there's no place I'll, I won't go for you, little listeners, you know, to check out these things. <laughs> Fact finding missions. <laughs> You're all hard, Stefan. Yep. <laughs> He's a giver. Yep, he yep. is a giver. He's a giver. <laughs> all right. So, uh, yeah, so, yeah. So, so they have a lower brawn of a seven, but an 11 plus willpower, which is pretty cool. Well, and that's I it. Think so, it was, yeah, this is pretty Because they're using more of their rental power, so they have a bit more strain to. Reflect that. Knowing the current <laughs> thoughts, this is pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. Discipline versus discipline. Check on that. 
Mm-hmm. Mind Shaper. Mind Shaper is the one that allows, you know, an opposed discipline versus vigilance against a living creature in medium range. And if he succeeds, you can cause the target to adopt an emotional state that uh, that you choose. So I was like, oh, I'll make Tony feel really sad, you know, because he's he's white and he can't go in the sun for very long. <laughs> 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 Nobody loves me. That's right. Oh, oh people keep laughing at me because I've got a sore like pit belly button. <laughs> oh yeah, that would be me. That would be the mind breaker one that you would do on me, right? A yeah, discipline that, versus resilience check to somebody within medium range. Yeah, so, cause the target cause one strain. Yeah, one strain plus additional strain for two success. Yeah, and then for three advantage or a, a triumph, you can even. Uh, can be spent to cause a tar- a target to suffer a wound. It's like, what? oh no, blood vessels are bursting. Oh my gosh, that's <laughs> nasty. Ow, the brain pain. Yeah. That hurts. <laughs> I would never do that to you, Chris, or to No, no, I like totally you. Wouldn't. Brothers. So. There we go. There we go. All right. What's so next, Chris? Our next one, dude, these are like space robots, man. Whatever you want them to be, whatever shape, size, could be a crab-like tank, a hover exterminate, sphere, exterminate. That's right. With the with the, <laughs> yes, right. Put that like uh, what do you call it? The toilet plunger on your nose, yeah. and start going and exterminating people. So this is basic. You got ones and everything. Ten for brawn for your wound threshold plus ten plus brawn for your wounds. Ten plus. Will for your strain threshold, but you get 175 XP to spend on whatever you want. Um, you get yeah, the basically you're a blank slate, pretty much, and you get the and you get to choose six of the eight career skills instead of just four that you could put a rank into. Um, robots don't need to eat, sleep, or drink. They're not affected by toxins and poisons, so all those things. They don't reduce strain threshold if you have cybernetics. If you're using that in your system, if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, this is actually kind of neat. The networked intelligence automatically add a success to intellect and willpower-based checks for each other friendly character of the same species to a maximum of three. So mm. with that, so that's kind of neat. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and they're inorganic. They use Wi-Fi to get to connect to each other. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Put their heads together. Um, and then they're healed by the mechanic skill instead of medicine. Um, and then the, the the robots increase your soak by one. Kind of maybe that, you know, that plating armor plating or whatever that you would have on. Yeah, just an iron chassis. You, know, sure. you can suffer a bit more damage. Yep. Yeah. So this is. I mean, you can make anything from your big, bulky labor droids to a sneaky spy-like droid, or you know. And that's your, it. These are. Or, this is literally the it. droid copied over. Pretty from much. Star Wars yeah. Seven. Yeah. The annoying uh, protocol droid, or the very useful astromech. <laughs> there you go. So the last species we have here is the Vanguard species, alien race, human, human humanity's superior in the galaxy. These aliens are more advanced scientifically, culturally, and even artistically. They're just freaking better than you primitive human scum. <laughs> um, <laughs> Which is, everyone hates them anyway. They're space elves, basically. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, why would you want to play? Yeah. A, why would you want to play a Vanguard? They they have two brawn, agility, 
intellect, and willpower. One cunning, three presence. They end up with a nine in their bra- uh, plus brawn for wounds. They have a nine plus willpower for strain, and they have a hundred earned XP or big starting XP. And since they're know-it-alls, they're going to start with a rank in knowledge. Yep. And then, and then they have this space is our birthright. That's cool. Uh, yeah, it's totally a great name for that talent mm-hmm. or that uh, species ability. And that is a vanguard just adds one automatic advantage to the result of any astro cartography or knowledge checks that they make because they know it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they do. Been there, done that. <laughs> and and then high tech baubles, great way to uh, uh, give them that superior kind of look is to give them some superior gear. So yeah. they start with an additional 500 credits worth of starting gear above and beyond what the average. I like other the gear. name. I like the name of that. High tech baubles. <laughs> yeah, you know yeah, that's cool. Mimbari, the Mimbari or or Vanguard. That is that is a great. <laughs> Great example, Mimbari from Babylon Five. Yes, yeah. they're high tech. They're they're haughty. They're very developed artistically and culturally. They have castes and they can kick ass because you know they've they've been there around for over a thousand years, longer in space. So, yeah, they they were aware that other races actually existed as opposed yeah. to man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Yeah, we're not the center of the universe, but we're damn near. <laughs> in our minds, we are. Yep. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. even though it's not the focus of the setting, the Mm -hmm. next thing we want to talk about is that gear, because that does that does give it that flavor. Those high tech toys. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we're not going to go over every piece of gear because there's there's actually quite a bit in here. Yeah, Uh, there was. I was surprised. I was looking through. I'm like, wow, this is quite the list of ranged weapons. Yeah, but. there are some highlights. No, go ahead, Stefan. And you can get inspired by all all kinds of different settings. You know, you know, from Star Wars, Star Trek, Warhammer 40K, Firefly. Uh, even the, even some of the weapons in Shadow of the Beanstalk can just be uplifted to sci-fi. You know? True. I mean, Most assuredly. Mm, I mean, you so can have your your space katanas, uh, yep. same as oh, you can yeah. have your monoblade katana in a in a. Exactly. But there are some that. You know, we can focus on and that kind of give that feel for this particular setting. And um, I'd like to just kind of uh, start with the lasers, you know, okay. because those are kind of an important part of a space opera. There's almost always some kind of lasers. Yeah. Um, and you ha- we, we have three different types. We have a laser pistol, a laser rifle, and a laser cannon. <laughs> and the big differences are... The pistol is real light. It's handheld. It's just simple. It's got Pierce two, does six damage, and it has, uh, or sorry, five damage, and uh, right. has a crit of three. Very simple baseline. Yep. Your rifle's a little bit more damage. Uh, goes out to long range, and its Pierce is increased to four. Then you end up with the laser cannon, which we're talking, you know, that big laser that is either shoulder mounted or the dude has to wear a special harness to carry it uh, or yeah. or I'm picturing aliens they've got those you know those swivel yeah. harnesses that yeah they that's have what to, I'm thinking too those, you know, were, those were cool even those were slug throwers but still yeah dude but and it uses gunnery though it uses gunnery when you yeah it uses the gunnery skill it has okay. a cumbersome rating to reflect that that it's 
you have to be a big burly dude or chick to carry this or sexless even in an alien uh to carry this thing around yep and then it dials that pierce up to 14 and cranks it to breach two yeah yeah it does breach two good lord it's punching through the sides of ships and basically everybody if you don't remember breach is equal Mm -hmm. to one breach one is equal to like 10 points of soak so that's 20 points of soak right there that you're well that would be like pierce 20 kind of thing (laughs) or if you're talking and we're talking vehicle based combat here where you can punch through like armor with Mm -hmm. it right Okay, and each one uses a different skill. So ranged light, because pistols are just one-handed weapons, very simple and uh, concealable like a handgun today. Right. And you know, laser rifle, of course, range heavy because you now it's two hands. You have to brace it a bit, a bit more uh, to be more accurate. And gunnery, well, of course, you know, it's it's a cannon. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> totally different mindset, and of course, much much greater range as well. <laughs> Do you have something you want to highlight there, Chris? Well, only because Baca loves them so much. (laughs) (laughs) Grenades, specifically. Dude, this particle grenade is nasty. Oh, yeah. Says it it releases a blast of high-energized particles that disrupt the nervous systems of most organic creatures. Whenever you throw concussive anything (laughs) on a weapon... And you can activate it. Oh, that's kind of a that's almost a game changer. That's close. So that's you know again, it's a grenade. So you, it's range light. You know, you throw a sh- up to a short distance. Got a crit of four, but it's not the crit that you're gonna be spending those advantage on. It's gonna be the blast and concussive. Um, yep. What do you call it? Qualities there. Maybe a disorient if you have enough too. But um, yeah, that, those are pretty nasty. <laughs> and would this grenade lobber? Would you be able to shoot them with the grenade lobber? I wasn't quite clear. Yeah, if you use a different I, kind of grenade, such as a particle grenade, change the damage and grenades are so. Yeah, so you have something to shoot it at a longer range, if well, long range actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, so that combo there is, yeah. Bach will be twitching. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> mm-hmm. How about, How about you, you Stefan? Yeah, Steph, what do you got? What do you think? Uh, I like the little sign. Seems innocuous when you read it. The sliver rocket launcher <laughs> almost sounds like something really sleek, you know, real almost a, a very stealth rocket, but nasty. I mean, extreme range like the laser cannon. Yep. Base damage of fifteen. Ouch. Ow. Yeah. Critical Ow. two, so very easy, very easy to crit. Holy crap! Yeah. Expensive uh, as hell, though. But it's really expensive, so only your top military will probably have it, or your mm-hmm. elite mercenaries. Uh, limited ammo, just three shots in it. And then, you know, it's cumbersome, so it's big and heavy still, even though it might look sleek. And it takes time to prepare, so you know, get one round to uh, spend a maneuver to actually prepare it for the next attack. But then you go ahead and, you know, where your cannon... Laser cannon had breach two. This one has breach four. <laughs> yeah, this is your anti-vehicle weapon. <laughs> Definitely. That's it. And then it's vicious five. So you have plus fifty to any crits you may uh, <laughs> may get with only two advantage. 
yeah, it might happen. <laughs> wow. And if you miss, well, it has guided four. So it's a chance of, you know, swerving around and right. coming back and hitting your opponent in the back of the head. Okay. <laughs> it's a daunting check being guided four, but still, you're saying still, there's a chance. chance. Okay. Yep. <laughs> That's why you have story points, too. So, you know, upgrade those. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, that's nasty, dude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is nice. pretty nasty. So you've yeah, got absolutely. a guided missile, basically, that'll just, you know, uh, pretty <laughs> much <enough>. decimate, yeah, <laughs> your BS, BSM 2000. What B, BSU 2000. What does BSU stand, stand for? Blow stuff up. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and uh, so moving on into mm. the armors... Now, most, oh, yeah. you know, they only list three armors, but they are pretty much, you know, standard. You're going to find any armor for Emmett from any setting you're going to find in the space opera. You can have dudes walking around in plate mail. It's perfectly fine. It's going to be normal. Oh, yeah. um, the one that I would like to, to focus on, though, is the personal force field. Yep. Uh, because that speaks to this genre and also gives me, harkens back to Dune. Yes. You know. Your personal force fields are a mainstay of space opera sci-fi, although many settings are primarily and exclusively used for ships and other large targets, sophisticated technology and high power draw mean their personal force fields are rare and expensive. Uh, So it doesn't give you any extra soap, but it gives you a shit ton of defense. Mm. Um, And yeah, it's rare. It's rarity 8 and 2,000 of your very precious starting credits mm-hmm. so you're not going to have it as a starting character but uh personal force field three mm-hmm. defense damn damn yep. that's three that's three setback dice yep, before no you even range. take cover mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah wow dude you take cover you're that's looking at sweet. four setback dice amazeballs yeah that's pretty cool yeah. go ahead so, hit me. <laughs> yeah yeah give it a try just so then we have a couple couple pieces of regular just gear. Yep. And, I like the, uh, the comm bead is kind of interesting, you know, yeah. where you just throw a little bead in your ear. You can communicate up to 100 kilometers. Or if you could tie into, like, the planetary communications and it's anyone on the same planet. That's kind of cool. Well, yeah, the Dark Matter has that, you know, that's how the, the characters all communicate. A little implant in the ear. Mm-hmm. You know, from from the ship to the to the planet, and you know, if, they, if the planet actually has communication gear, yeah, not a problem. Uh, yep. Now, just by making a thought that you're yep. dialing somebody up, you don't even and have to the, call their name. You just exactly think that you're calling somebody, and the, it intuitively does. So. Yeah, or voice activation if you prefer, or whatever. But yeah, my thought could be really easy. Yep. To explain. Yep. <laughs> it's <Cool>. science. <laughs> You don't have to explain it. Science, dude. Go on. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and in a smart system, that's just yeah. a that's an iPad or whatever on your wrist or in your pocket. Just a personal computer with just a, a weak e- AI that you could communicate with. Like a computer. Uh, mm-hmm. What is this race? And then they'll give you what? It's like, who cares if it needs to be connected up to the database or whatever. It'll just know. And basically, it'll just give you a, a boost die on any intelligence check, intelligence-based checks you make to figure out stuff when you're exploring those planets. That's, cool. All right, that's it. All right. So, 
now we get into the adversaries. Oh, and yeah. I like as the core rulebook has done in every setting they've given us. We have a pirate. <laughs> yes, we do because why not? <laughs> well, this one's in space. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. So yeah, I'll go. You know, space pirates—they're a staple in many space opera. Of course, you know, whenever you have ships, you know, civilians, especially civilian ships, you'll have people who want to steal from you. <laughs> so, yes, they resemble the high seas cousins, you know, swaggering, uncultured rogues with a taste for plunder and mayhem. You know, har, har, har. Give me some some of your Romulan ale. <laughs> so, yeah. Cool. And they're minions, of course, you know, because, you know, that way you can mow through them. <laughs> but, you know, their strength in numbers, that's their special ability. The more there are, because, you know, they'll, they're much more courageous in groups, so you add a boost die to their combat checks when there's at least two of their, their friendly, uh, friendly members of their own crew kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But, but on the, on the flip side, if they find themselves, you know, almost like surrounded, outnumbered, or uh, with no other allies, well, then they suffer setbacks. That's right. <laughs> it's like, no, don't hurt me this time. I, I'll be nice to you. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't mean to, to board your ship and, uh, <laughs> and steal all your Romulan ale. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, here you go, Tony. Here's your monomolecular cutlass. As yeah. one of their pieces of gear. I love it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's pretty sweet. Yep. And then they have a special rule there for if maybe doing a two minion, a minion group of two space pirates armed with a short range cutting laser. That's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, sweet. Yep. That's pretty cool. It's a little alternate rule. So I'd like to talk about the next one. You do Go ahead. it. You do that one. Because <laughs> it's my thing. Yeah. <laughs> Which reminds, horror. Oh, that reminds me. Dude, Dark Matter should be coming out soon, right? Or, or Deep Madness, I mean. It <laughs> <laughs> yes. should be shipping soon, I hope. So the Xenomorph horror on countless planets in your galaxy. Uh, characters are going to encounter all manner of alien beasts. This specimen is some breed of alpha predator on its home world. Mm-hmm. And they've left the description particularly vague so that you can fill in the blanks. Right. You can turn it into a saurian carnivore or a tentacled lurker or an aquatic devilfish right. or an insect-like seven-foot-tall black exoskeleton yeah. with acid for blood thing. Yes, exactly. <laughs> right. Or that, something that bursts that's an, out of your chest. <laughs> or something that's a ugly motherfucker. The predator, right? That's right. <laughs> Pretty. Uh, this is a rival, so it's going to have uh, you know the basic survival type skills. It's not going to have any like advanced skills. You know, vigilance, brawl, stealth, survival. Simple. Cool ability. Apex predator. At the start of their first turn in the encounter, all opponents must make a hard discipline check as an out of turn incidental. If they fail. They're immobilized until the start of their next turn. <laughs> You're frozen in fear. Yep. If they fail with threat, they are staggered until the start of their next turn. Instead. I'm wondering, hey, Stefan, in your book, mm-hmm. is, that a, is that a despair or is that a threat for you? That feels like if you roll a despair, you're staggered, but that's one threat. And you're yep, staggered. Holy crap, dude. Yeah. 
There's one yeah. threat. That's Alright. If you're then. using the yeah, this is these things are supposed to be very scary. That means yeah. they are this is that's why it's written as a special ability. Yep. As opposed to just a copying of the terrifying uh adversary talent. Mm-hmm. Um that's awesome. And it says if you're using the fear rules, this counts as a fear check. Uh, so other effects that may uh, affect a fear check may apply, like some talents. Cool. Um, the the weapon of choice would be a thrashing appendage <laughs> <laughs> with a broad. <laughs> it has knockdown and spend, uh, you know, uh, two advantage to knock all their opponents, all other opponents engaged with the target prone. Yeah. So it's not just. The, the person the, you hit. No, you can knock anyone nearby <laughs> yeah. over because it's thrashing. Yeah. It's a thrashing appendage, of course. <laughs> and then they have a vicious maw within a maw. Uh, uh, sorry. Um, and uh, that, of course, being mm-hmm. a nasty bite with uh, damage 10, critical 3, pierce 3, vicious 3. Yeah. Ouch. It, it's going to yeah, just yeah. poke right through your skull and eat your brains. Right. Yeah, or you come out of your gut. Wearing- that's it. Even if you're wearing some of that special marine armor, it's like, yeah, punch. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> and I might steal that Apex Predator from my uh, race I'm, uh, I want to introduce in my Dragon Star uh, campaign, which I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to use the D&D race of the Slod, the sort of oh, toad-like yeah. race. That to can be impregnate you. Yeah, they can mm-hmm. kind of impregnate you. They're species that haven't shown up in the Empire yet. They're a new threat. Cool. So... Yeah, yeah, the Apex Predator, that's a nasty ability. Mm-hmm. I love it. That's it. Speaking of nasty. Mm. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm reading a Nanoswarm, which is next. It's a rival. Holy fuck nuts. These guys are nasty. So, you know, they, they're definitely popular in space opera settings. You know, your Nanoswarms or whatever. Um, buzzing clouds or a... F- amorphous blobs of micro-machines swarming on the ground. Just picture this. A swarm of these things are coming towards your person. You know what? They have ones in everything except for their agility, which is a four. They have two ranks in coordination, but their special ability here, swarm. You have the damage dealt to the swarm before applying soak. Oh, by the way, they have a wound threshold of 40. Yeah. <laughs> Soak one, it doesn't really matter, but if you're having the damage. But this is interesting, though. Unless, so you, you, you do half the damage before applying soak, unless the weapon has blast or burn quality, mm-hmm. regardless whether you've activated the quality or not. So that's kind of an interesting thing. I haven't, that's the first, first time I've seen something like that, too. That's a neat little precedence. It there. seems to be unique to the swarms. I've seen. Okay. Uh, Terranoth has a swarm of scorpions too, and a little bit like that. Yeah, half bit. the damage. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, incoming, but if you have something that does blast or burn, even if you don't have enough, don't have enough you, advantage you, you, you to do activate full it, damage. you do full you damage. Full damage. Yeah. Okay, so this consuming swarm ability is nasty. So they spend a maneuver, so you make an opposed coordination check. By the way, they're rolling two yellows and two greens versus whatever you got. <laughs> and you target I don't one... don't know a lot of players to put points <laughs> in court. I no, seriously always. doubt it either. You target one engaged opponent to immobilize them until the end of their next turn. Okay? 
So at the start of its turn, the opponent suffers three wounds, and the swarm heals three wounds. Okay? Now, get this. They're tiny little pincers. Yep. They do damage one. Critical three, doesn't matter. But pierce three, and they add two boost dice if the target is immobilized. <laughs> so, yeah, so, so they swarm over their opponents. You know, they just they're... start munching on them and healing. <laughs> These yeah. are nasty. I love and it. When you say... It's your gelatinous cube, dude. <laughs> well, that's it. Is, isn't it. And when you say suffer three wounds, that's there's no soak applied to that. It's just... No. It just seeps through cracks and stuff and mm-hmm. attacks the flesh, nice fleshy bits. Or if they're nano swarms that like metal, you know, right. oh no, I'm I'm okay, I'm a droid, I'm a <laughs> robot. No, 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 these are special metal. <laughs> yeah, they so it like says, metal and silicone. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> you can have that yeah. too. Yeppers. Yeah, so that's pretty. That's pretty nasty. I love it. Mm-hmm. Of course. Yeah. Look. At first, I thought, like, well, swarms are, are, are pushovers. They only have one brawl and one uh, one brawn. Like, it's only two dice. Well, one dice, one yellow. They'll never hit, they'll never hit anything. But you know, when you reread the special abilities, like, oh no, they don't have to nah. hit. <laughs> no, they just have to crawl if over you. If they've managed to, to, to yeah, get a toehold on you and just swarm mm-hmm. on your legs, all right, you're mobilized now. Right. Then we then we use the tiny pincers. <laughs> yeah, exactly, because that's a maneuver to mobilize you. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. All right, All right, Tony, what do we have next? The alien warlord is a, <laughs> a sapient individual from an alien species. While most of the species may be peace-loving or honorable, this character has decided to conquer a significant portion of the galaxy by force. <laughs> that's great. When describing this individual... Keep in mind, the profile represents a big, tough, charismatic leader. Doesn't matter what race. If you don't want to invent your own foot soldiers, simply copy the space pirates. Well, you'll always want to. You'll always want to copy space pirates, regardless. Yes. Make them or, villains, or <laughs> maybe the xenomorph horror as a pet. Yes. <laughs> and, maybe, and maybe he's got a satchel of um, nano uh, nano swarms that he'll just <laughs> throw at you, which I know my alien warlord will. <laughs> so, yeah, this is your nemesis. So he's tough, uh, got a lot of ranks, and a lot of skills, got a lot of uh, characteristics. Looking at 18 wounds and 18 strain threshold with a soak of five. So he's Mr. Badass. And no defense. Yeah. <laughs> Start. He's got adversary one. He's got a cool ability here called tactical direction, which you know is simple. Uh, spend a maneuver, direct one friendly minion group within medium range. That group may perform a free maneuver or add a boost dice to its check. Simple enough. Nice. Um, and then he's got some fancy armor, fancy weapons, and simple as that. This dude is just a leader uh, and a great one to reskin for just about anything. Exactly. <laughs> oh my god so did you read okay so he has a platinum weave cloak but he also has a crimson banner of glorious conquest and a snow <laughs> and a sniveling servant to carry the banner of glorious conquest <laughs> yes me lord i carry your banner <laughs> sally forth oh, i love it when they put little things in here like that like they're not taking themselves too seriously no cool, well, it's cool, space- baby. 
it's space it's space opera. You've got Ming the Merciless, you know, who looks cool. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> With oh, his toadies. We completely forgot Flash Gordon. Yeah, Flash Gordon. Yeah, there you oh. go. In oh, some way, you're in, right. in some ways, in some ways, even uh, some of the cartoon stuff like uh, He Man, you know, <laughs> not, not in space, not in space, but space opera. There's technology that almost is like magic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sniveling little toadies. There you go. Nice. <laughs> nice. All right, we have one last adversary, Stefan. You want to uh, knock that out? Sure. Yeah. Why do I get all the psionic ones? I'll take it if you want. You're the brain of the outfit. Are you, are you, I was the, just saving the best for last. Is there he the brains you. of the outfit? So there we go. So right. the telepath, which is a nemesis. Throughout the galaxy, some alien species your characters encounter are going to have strange and terrible abilities. How this particular creature possesses the powers of telepathy is unknown, but it seems to be able to control and dominate the minds of others. <laughs> I like that. So, yes, he concentrates on all on his mental abilities. So he's weak physically, only one brawn, one agility, so he'll trip over his, the flowers in the carpet. Um, but, you know, for intellect... Three cunning, four willpower, and two presence. He's a powerhouse. He'll he'll play 3D chess, you know, against five opponents and still win. <laughs> so well, that's because of his first ability there. Holy monkeys! Well, that's it. So adversary two. So already pretty tough. Uh-huh. Of course, most of his skills are all you know mostly social or mental abilities, and his ability says. I know what you're thinking. Yeah, he knows what you did last summer. So, <laughs> when the target, when targeting an opponent with a social skill check, downgrade the difficulty a number of times equal to the number of uh, challenge dice in the pool, replacing basically all challenge dice, or well, almost all challenge dice, with difficulty dice instead. No, it's all of them. Yeah, you replace all replacing. of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when targeted by a social skill, downgrade the ability of the check number, the check a number of times equal to the number of uh, proficiency it's, dice. That's so nasty. There's only going to be green and purple dice against this guy ever. No, well, here's a, well, I don't know about that though. Well, when you you could still flip a story point, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, it would downgrade that, right? True. Basically, no. it's your basically it's if I'm attacking this thing with a social attack. All of my ranks and whatever I got don't matter. <laughs> no, it exactly really doesn't not. matter. So you, you, those would be downgraded first, mm-hmm. and then you can s- still spend a point to upgrade at least one. Yeah, I would still allow that because it's a story point. I mean, but you still win first. Yeah, but still, and that's then a, mind bleed. That's so. Na- this is a nasty ability. Yeah, yeah. He's a powerhouse. He's like, no, 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 no. I can, I can know. I know what you're thinking ahead of time. So you know, all your little arguments, I can counter them. <laughs> Yeah, and his discipline check is going to be three yellow and a green That's versus it. yours. So, <laughs> yeah, and then mind bleed as an action. They may make an opposed discipline check against a living target. If successful, the target suffers two wounds and two strain per success. Wow. Yes, and the telepath may then spend four advantage or triumph tunes to inflict a critical injury on you. So, you know, brain aneurysm. <laughs> Basically, yeah. He's got my bullets. Yeah, he does. Wham! (laughs) (laughs) And then dominate once per encounter. You know, uh, if successful, on the 
during the next character's turn, the target's next turn, the telepath they dictate basically what the actions and maneuvers they can perform. So obviously you're a puppet, you know. The, the, although they do suggest the GM should avoid actions that lead to unavoidable character death. However, however, such as jumping off towering cliffs or shooting oneself in the head, since that's just not fun. Whoa, 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 <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa! Wait a minute, I disagree. No, I well, mean, that's I what mean, is what is written. So I know, take it. I know. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just do it if anyway. If your players are okay with that, forgiveness table. afterwards. Exactly. Well, that's it. <laughs> and I like the uh, the equipment, which of course is reminiscent <laughs> of the most powerful telepath on earth, a hover chair. Because <laughs> <laughs> of course, great. with one one brawn and one agility, you know, they're, they're like I said, they're going to trip over everything. <laughs> lifting much. a glass of. Lifting a, a tumbler of whiskey is like, oh, no, that's way too heavy. I'm going to sprain my wrist. But there's nothing <laughs> I'll, just, I'll use my mind for that. There's nothing yeah, exactly. that you can't have them pull out that gun and put it to their head. They don't have to shoot themselves. <laughs> no, right. no. I'm anyway. <laughs> Man, those are... Dude, space opera will be tough. <laughs> it can, These are some it nasty can. abilities. These are some nasty adversaries. I love it. Yeah, and that's just it. I think that's the common theme here is that your villains are extra specially dialed up mm-hmm. to be really tough. Yeah. And even your minion group, you know, they're going to put out a lot of damage. Yeah, they're going to die quickly, but they can pound you with those weapons. Yeah. Well, that's it. They still have access to the same weapons you do. Exactly. It's just, that, mm-hmm. it's just you know, it's just that you can mow, that, mow through them. That's all. That's right. <laughs> They can have that. They can have that shock armor, or that mm-hmm. sliver rocket launcher. <laughs> <laughs> yep, <laughs> a couple of those uh, troopers, you know, space pirates. Okay, you know, they one of them is helping to steady it, and it's like, okay, you fire at them. <laughs> it's like, oh no, <laughs> that's when that's when your your PC is like, okay, let's use our personal force fields. <laughs> Maybe that mitigates some of the damage. <laughs> Maybe, yeah, you still have to hit. Yeah, exactly. Cool. So, <laughs> so, in the interest of time, because mm-hmm. we are getting rather long-winded. Yeah, we are. Um, like I think, I think we're going to skip setting the tone today. What do you think, gentlemen? We could. We could. We can definitely revisit. Mm-hmm. Well, the thing is, they've only got a page. Yeah, there's not a lot there. And there if you're going to be playing in Twilight Imperium, you're mm-hmm. going to be playing something that only you would know so right uh, or in a handful of people and i'll tell you what i'll do is um stefan found a subreddit post yes. that, that 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 really goes into a bit more detail that's in here about twilight imperium i'm going to throw that in our show notes for you yeah. for you all to, to to download and look at so um look for that yeah. as well mm-hmm. so and if we do come back and visit it, i have a couple of links that you know still based off of the board game but does give you some good ideas to yeah send me those links i'll put them in the show notes Stefan. yeah yeah okay. we'll do that all right all right well, let's move on to something else then. yeah all right all right welcome to our favorite part of the show, the part that we call Advantageous Threats, eh? Because there's an S. Yeah, <laughs> it's multiple threats. Because <laughs> there's more than one of us. 
This is where we build uh, dice pools and then roll them out in our little scenario that we build. And the the other two sort of set up difficulties and try to trip the uh, the first players up. And then we mm-hmm. just roll the dice and educate the uh, the rolls and see what's what's what how it how it turns out. So. Uh, just like last time, we'll do uh, youngest first. So, Tony. Alright. My character, Gilbert Finkelstein, is an animalistic alien. A shark man. He's a mechanic on the starship HMS Vibrotube 1. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> um, <laughs> the a xenomorph horror has been set loose on the ship, and Gil has been tasked by his captain, Lady Quimetria, to <laughs> kill it. He has a pair of particle grenades Ooh, good and and a portable motion sensor. Beep, beep, beep. Uh, and an imagination. <laughs> He's going to use his two intellect or four intellect or two intellect with four in mechanics. He's not the smartest mechanic. But he's pretty talented. He has yeah. two ranks in Adventor. He has the talent Go Without from the uh, Genesis Talents Expanded available on... Uh, what does that do again? The Genesis Forms. So Go Without allows him once per encounter, once per session, uh, to not have to worry about whether he has the right tools for the job. Perfect. Once per session. He can That's count cool. as having the right tools for the job. So, yeah. He sometimes forgets his tool belt, so it's a handy talent to have around. He's, 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 he's dumb. He's got two intellects. Or he's he's not the smartest, he's but not. he's got. He's pretty charismatic for a shock, you know. <laughs> he doesn't talk like Jabba Jaw, does he? Yes, he does. As a matter of fact, he's Gilbert Finkelstein. All right, he's a shock. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> everybody calls him Gil. He's an aspiring porn star, too. You don't want to know about that. All right, so. Oh my <laughs> Fish are friends, not food. You might, have, you might have broke me there, Tony. <laughs> he also has the talent natural, which will allow him to re-roll if he totally flubs this up. Uh, a cool. mechanics or a brawl check. So, right. what I'd like to do is I'd like to rig a bomb to a drone. I want to use a drone. Uh, that I might have laying around. I'm going to consider it as having the right tools for the job and use my once per session ability nice. of go without. And he's going to have a old decommissioned drone sitting around. Mm-hmm. He's going to cool. rig these two particle grenades to it, and he's going to send it out to hunt the xenomorph. Horror. Gotcha. Using its built-in portable motion sensor kind of thing, right? To kind yes, of for and... Yeah, and the, I happened, nice. as I said, I had a portable motion sensor, mm-hmm. which was in the space opera gear, mm-hmm. and I do believe it just gave a boost die to perception checks. But Two. really, what Two that is, yeah. yeah, what that is there for is to he's going to rig it to detect specifically the the signature of the xenomorph and send this particle grenade laden drone bomb to hunt it down and keep it. Sweet. So this role is you creating this device. Yes. And going. Then I later roll to, you know, see how it damaged the critter. So let's see here. Um, I'm thinking of a... 
I'm thinking I'm thinking it's going to be hard because not everybody can do this. No. I'm thinking it's a hard difficulty. Okay. Not so average. It's not daunt it's not daunting, but I'm I'm thinking hard. Okay. Yeah, Starting with three purple. Is there yeah, a um now there's kind of a time sensitive thing people may have died. So maybe a setback died because of the stress you're under. Oh, that that's stressful. Guild doesn't really care about people, but okay. We'll go ahead and put it in there. <laughs> well, stressful because he's you're, concerned about his own survival. Your captain gave you an order to do it uh, quickly. Yeah, yeah, she she pays my bills. I, I better keep her happy. Right, <laughs> there you right, go. That's right. Um, <laughs> what else? You have the right tools for the job. Mm-hmm. Um, I happen to also have two ranks in the inventor talent. What does that do? Which so there's it's an active incidental. When your mm-hmm. character makes a check to construct a new item or mo- item or modify existing ones, yep. this, use this talent to add a number of boost die to the check equal to your ranks in Adventure. Well, cool. Uh, in addition, your character may attempt to reconstruct devices that they have heard described but have never seen and do not have any kind of plans or schematics for. Well, you don't have any plans for this. You're just popping it out. You're like, yeah, man, I'm just pulling things together, throwing them in there. So that's oh, two, yeah. two boost dice, and go without, it's as if you do have the tools for the job, right? So you have another boost Correct. because of that. Nice. Right. Um, dude, you're dealing with particle grenades. You're dealing with explosion, explosives. Mm-hmm. Well, you know that, and uh, definitely I would flip a story point, of course, to upgrade the difficulty because um, this alien has damaged some of the key... You know, life support systems in the ship. So, cool. I'm thinking. I'm thinking to do this quickly. I'm thinking it's going to be an automatic upgrade because you're dealing with explosives before the story point too. So, all right. So, final pool. Yep. One setback die, two boost dice, uh, two ability dice, two proficiency dice. Uh, one difficulty die and two challenge dice. I think you need another boost die in there before you go without. Oh, uh, yeah. Right tools for the job. Go for it, dude. See what all you right. got. And go. All right. So first of all, your two red dice came up blank again. You bastard. <laughs> Come on. Come on, Tony. However, <laughs> I also had five of my positive dice that came up blank. Don't. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I'm not kidding you. Wow. He isn't so, too, uh, too lucky. <laughs> so I, the check was originally just two excess success with two advantage. Okay. So right. while he did rig an object here, mm-hmm. I think he's going to go for broke and use natural. And re-roll. And re-roll. Yes, because please. He really just exactly identical pool. So yep. he's going to yep. use natural. Now, natural is a tier three talent in the core rulebook. Yep. And uh, what it states, let me double check. Because I once think per session, it's a reroll. I don't think there's yeah. a spend. I think it's just a once per session, isn't it? Yeah, I, I read it too. Once per session, your character may use a sound to reroll one skill check that uses one of those two skills chosen. Go for it. Okay. Let's see so what we got. So it does not say that I can't choose at this point to spend a story point on my side to upgrade. To ensure that success, does it? No, no, no mention of that. So. Same pool. Yeah, go ahead. I mean, it's yeah. this. all right. Okay. So here we go. Yeah. Let's see what we got. All right, that's a lot better. There's a triumph. Oh, so there we go. is there a pulling out 
and I only had three blank dice. Okay. Uh, no failures. No failures whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So all of my negative dice roll threat. All which right. counts, so the five threat negative dice cancels out the five advantage that I had on my positive dice, leaving me with two successes, one from nat- naturally itself, one from the triumph, and a triumph. So I went from having two, two successes and, and two advantage to two successes and a triumph. There we Sweet. go. Sweet. So. Well, you successfully killed, do it quickly. So when he was making this, mm-hmm. he happened to find a little bit of shedded skin mm. that the xenomorph horror had shedded. Oh, yeah. And he has draped it over the top of the drone and also programmed the drone to seek out that particular biometric signature. There we go. And Sweet. only explode upon finding that particular biometric signature. And so now it's going to float around the ship until it finds it. And blows it to smithereens. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. That's good. And the ship is in space, right? Sure. Awesome. I'll be in the escape pod, boss. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no one can hear you scream. <laughs> oh, I won't be screaming. I'll be sitting in there eating a, eating a peanut butter sandwich. There you go. <laughs> awesome. Eating, eating some sushi. <laughs> All right. And hey, that's All right. Racist. All right, sorry, go on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next up, we go with Chris. Yes. What so, you got for us, Chris? Well, my character, his name is Gadian. That was actually a name my daughter came up with for a character I had long ago. Nice. Thank you. Thank you, Alexi. Um, so, my character, Gadian, he's a warlock in the Inquisition dark fantasy setting. And he's going to try and cast Baleful Polymorph on a guard. Because he's been hired to go steal some incriminating evidence from a merchant's warehouse on the docks in Port uh, Birim in the kingdom of Fagari. Yes, those are the expanded gazetteer that he put in the the Inquisition. So Ooh, someone's been reading. <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah. So, but the thing is, so when you cast. So when you want to, when you want to use um, the witch um, spell casting ability, you have to have what's called an empathic link to your target. Now there are talents that you can get that you can make a check and then you can have an empathic link. But if you don't have one, you can't cast spells on the target. Now what I've chosen, what I've chosen to do, is he's done his homework and he actually picked a fight with this guard in the tavern the night before. Got some blood on his tabard or what or on his clothes so he's going to use that dried blood as what's called a medium empathic link for that target so then nice. the next night he's going to cast on it so instead of um so it's going to add a setback die to his check okay. he'll be using the baleful polymorph spell um and that's on page uh what do you call it? 83 in there, so it's an average difficulty. I'm gonna add one for my direct. So if, then there's, and that's at short range. I'm gonna add an ability called duration, which polymorph you cannot concentrate on it. But if you increase the difficulty by one, you can. So that's what I'm gonna do. So that's kind of neat. Um, so Gadian has a three intellect, two in witchcraft. So it's gonna be a yellow 
two two yellow and a green. Um, and then the difficulty is going to be three purple and a setback die. Right. For that, that's to, that's just to start off with. Um, so yeah, he doesn't have any real. He didn't take those talents to get the empathic link automatically, but he does have a talent. <laughs> this talent is awesome. It's called cackle. <laughs> if he spends a strain, he can concentrate as an incidental. <laughs> so he's going to balefully polymorph this guard into a sheep because I've been playing WoW Classic. Um, <laughs> I've been inspired. Um, yeah. And sheep this guard to sneak into this uh, thing, to this uh, warehouse. That's my nice. that's that's what I've set up. What do you guys think? <clears throat> uh, sounds good. good. All right, that's pretty good. I'm gonna spend a story point because I'm gonna cast somebody. I'm gonna polymorph somebody into a sheep. <laughs> it's cool. Rule cool. You guys want to upgrade or twenty? Well, um, are there other guards around, or is he the only one? Uh, you tell me. I'm thinking it was probably just the one, you know, he kind of, he was scouting out, seeing this guy was going to be on, you know, scouting around the warehouse, but there could be. But you don't know when they do their shift change. Exactly. So let's go ahead and upgrade for that. Okay. Because I didn't quite do all of my homework. <laughs> yep. That's, uh, didn't let's, quite do all of it. Yeah. And that, that'll be our story point for that. Perfect. But. I also had an idea here. You said this is at night. Yeah. So let's throw in a setback die for that. Cool. Alrighty then. We have three proficiency dice, a challenge die, two. Um, what are the purples called again? It's not like I have a podcast. Or Difficulty. <laughs> Difficulty <laughs> dice. <laughs> and <laughs> and two setback. Here we go. All right. <laughs> Alrighty then. Chris was doing it on purpose, just about the difficulty dice. He knows. <laughs> all right. Yeah. yeah, on purpose, all right. Yeah. <laughs> we have one success, a threat, but also got a triumph. Ooh. Nice. So let's see. Oh. So does oh. my... Boom. Sheep. <laughs> a sheep in sheep clothing. Exactly. Boom, sheep. <laughs> um... Now, what it does say, for duration, ah. you make this spell more persistent, allowing you to concentrate on the spell to extend its duration. You could do it for a maximum number of additional rounds equal to two um, advantage generated. I kind of want to use the triumph to make it extend it out. Okay. I could, I uh, could see you okay. using a triumph for the rest of the encounter kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, and then on their turn, the target may attempt an average resilience check as an action. Um, if it succeeds, then they regain their normal form. So maybe it makes it a little harder. Maybe it gives them a setback die on that check, the triumph. Okay. Yeah. But I did get. But I did generate a threat. <laughs> oh. <laughs> One. Threat. And I think because of that, you're going to get some extra strain. That's cost a little extra strain. I think because so too. Anytime spell casting. Mm-hmm. In that setting, it seems rather hard. So yeah. that seems yeah. yeah. And then I'm just going to cackle it. all the way into my gathering the incriminating yeah. evidence. <laughs> as <laughs> they thought me mad at the university. 
Uh, nice. So there we go. That's that. <laughs> there we go. Excellent. All right, Stefan, what do you have for finally, us? Finally, I was inspired by the space opera. Mm-hmm. We didn't get to talk about Twilight Imperium, unfortunately, but still. Inspired by the Twilight Imperium, which I have played the board game before, mm-hmm. which is quite, kind of cool. So I have Miral Yiravesaril, a Hakan diplomat, which is like a lion a space humanoid. Lion. Yep. He's a diplomat on a mission to secure a very important trade deal with his human counterpart that he's met before in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, he must, of course, of course, get the best deal possible for his people. So his negotiation is three yellow, two green. So, yeah, he's a pretty good diplomat. He's one of the best. But his, his counterpart is pretty good, too. Um, they've butted heads before with uh, Sir Justin Rasmussen who's also a very skilled, so three red and two purple. Ooh. Yes. Uh, Although, uh, Miral has a fear of failure. He definitely doesn't want to fail his people. Gotcha. So I would would definitely think that, you know, with his fear, uh, calling up on that uh, motivation, a setback setback dice there. Mm -hmm. But he, through dealing with Justin, Sir Justin, he's no, he knows his... His flaw of greed. That cool. he's greedy. Is that one or uh, two? If you know a flaw, I can't if remember. You know a flaw? It's one. It's one. One. Okay. So just the one. Uh, and I gave him a, f- a few relevant talents. I just uh, looked a little bit uh, deeper at uh, the different talents. He's got smooth talker at two ranks, which is a tier one talent, but it's ranked. So he's got two ranks in that, which will allow him, depending on the role to use a triumph to gain two successes on a negotiation check. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. And then con- congenial two, two, a three, a tier three talent. Uh, he's got two ranks in that, and he can suffer, voluntarily, suffer, voluntarily suffers two strain to downgrade the difficulty of uh, a charm or negotiation check. Oh, cool. E- so, equal to his number of ranks. Yeah, uh, up to his number of ranks. Oh, so the three red become two purple. Yeah, so instead of two reds... Three reds. Three reds, now it's just one One, red. One red, four purple. Four purple. Quite a pool. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. And he's got natural, too. uh, Natural uh, for deception and negotiation. So if he he has the option of re-rolling this if it uh, goes sideways. All right. Nice. And, and since, you know, this is a very, one of these big, important uh, trade deals, he's going to flip a story point to get another proficiency, uh, proficiency dice. Mm. What do you think, Chris? You think we mm-hmm. should flip one here? It is one I, of these I think critical so. things. I, th- I think so, too, because um, other you're, races actually, are thinking- you're actually dealing with this guy on his own ship. Yeah. So if you yeah. really, so if you really piss them off, <laughs> home turf advantage, and there's a few other races, competing races that are looking in on this. These talks. Yeah, he may know something you don't know. He might, That's it. He might know something you don't know. All this right. Could so be, this could be round zero. Yep. <laughs> exactly. So we're looking at a setback and a boost dice. Mm-hmm. So uh, and yeah, three, two challenge dice. 
uh, three difficulty, mm-hmm. one ability, and four uh, proficiencies. So cool. let's big oh, dice pool, but let's go. So shake, 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 shake. Yeah. There we go. All right. So this one's blank. Remove that one. Ooh, we've got a triumph. Nice. Yes. Four. Four, five failures so far, and three threat, four threats. So let's see about, oh, no, the boost, the setback dice is also a threat, so that's mm-hmm. a total of you know, one, two, six threat. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like you need, like, a notepad. <laughs> might, I might, so, and he only has two advantages, so that would be, that cancels out those two. And one, two, three, four, five successes. Four, five successes. So it would be a a wash. A wash. Although the although the triumph does also count as a success. Oh, you didn't it count that. Count one? as two. Uh, so that would count as one success, and four threat, and a triumph. But he's going to try and get a better roll and try ah. again. Oh. Of course. <laughs> All right. So let's go for it. Reroll it. There you go. <laughs> All right. So maybe a little bit better. Already the the challenge dice are only three failures. The the setback dice is blank. Nice. Another purple blank. And we've got four four threat. All right, and these are advantages. The all one, two, three, four, five. Spence is killing me. Yeah, five. <laughs> one, two, three. No, all right. So no, no advantages, but successes. No, th- no triumphs though. <laughs> one, two, three, four, five. One, two, four. All right, so it's not. Do you succeed? Oh, still. It's still one success, net success, but no threat, no triumph, no despair. So Just all of a that. single success. Single one success. One single success, but instead of having maybe one or two successes from before and threat. So maybe in this way, no you know, but no triumph either. Dude, you rolled a triumph, man. You had still succeeded. You're brave well, me. You have, you yeah. have one success, which means... You don't so, necessarily get the best deal for your people, but you get a no. but you get a pretty good deal. Which or a pretty a good deal without yeah. without any strings attached, which might have had some strings with the with the threat. Pretty clear cut <laughs> contract there. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Nice. Mm-hmm. So there we go. Pretty good. So yeah. Trying to look at talents beyond just the knack for it. <laughs> yes. Big uh, dice Always. Pool. Yes. Awesome. All right. All right. Well, let's call it a night. Let's call yeah. it a night. It's been long enough. <laughs> All right. Mm-hmm. All right, everybody. That is our show for today. Um, I'd like to give a shout out to Patrick Shadow Dad Greenlaw and his Role Players Imaginarium blog. Which is uh, talks he gives GM advice and rules a lot of rules conversion for Savage Worlds out there, and I must say his latest entry will apply mm-hmm. to everybody. How to run a sandbox game? Very well done. 
a lot of points. I know we've all run those kinds of things, but he's got a lot of good information in there that just kind of puts it all together for you and you can move forward. And then he has this Pulp Action Hour series of various um, blogs, blog postings that he's done. So that's pretty pretty cool stuff out there. Yep, I love yep. it. Hmm. So... Anything we to go. add, gentlemen? Or uh, well, uh, a few uh, reminders. Of course, uh, we've okay. said it before. Con on the Cob still upcoming, getting closer and closer. October third to the sixth. Yeah, mm-hmm. getting uh, getting up there. So uh, if you see us, if you're there, shout out, come over, and we'll all give you a big hug. So uh, with advantage. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know or what threat, that means, Stefan, but whoa. Or, or, threat, <laughs> or, or threat, depending on your point of view. <laughs> Will it be an advantageous threat? <laughs> that, always, that always depends, you know. So I guess what Stefan is saying, show up at your own risk. Yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, is that what yeah. you're saying, Stefan? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're please. mostly harmless. No, yeah, we are. And besides, I don't know what, what morning I'm going to do it. Maybe every morning I'm going to be making... Millennium oh, yes. Falcon waffles in the morning. So sweet. And we can pretend to be Minox ch- chewing on the power cables. <laughs> That's a good <laughs> <And>, idea. Uh, <laughs> there we go. And stay stay tuned for our next show. Uh, we'll be recording it around the September twenty third if everything goes right with our special guest. Yes, we have a special guest, uh, Keith Capel, freelance writer for FFG. Uh, uh, writing instructor as well on his website. Uh, you can uh, get some information there at www.adventurer no adventurewritingacademy.com. Mm-hmm. So I'll have the author, link. Uh, yep, I'll have the links a link to that in the show notes, of course. Yeah, yeah, and he's the, the one who uh, who wrote the uh, Ready Fight uh, supplement for all things combat uh, related, like different combat options. That is also available on the Genesis Foundry. Mm-hmm. So join us, and uh, you can send your questions to us. And uh, then, uh, Tony, give us some contact information for some for those questions. Yep, you can email them to us at findingthenarrativepodcast@gmail.com. You can get a hold of myself and myself and Stefan <laughs> over at Finding the Narrative on Facebook. Uh, you can uh, get a hold of us and the Nerds International community on uh, uh, MeWe, and, and we have a nice little chat going over there. So come on over. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That's a great way, uh, great way to talk to all three of us, and it's kind of a fluid thing. Yep. Um, and I actually posted pictures of my meat. I mean, the meat that I smoked this weekend. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I, I love I love when uh, when Christmas shows me his meat. <laughs> yeah. uh, we Whoa. have a Twitter presence at FTN underscore Genesis. Stefan can uh, yep. forward your questions on to us from there, mm-hmm. and um, of course tell everyone about us. Listen to us on Podbean, iTunes, YouTube, Google Play, and Spotify. I would like uh, to put a little a little thing out there, and I don't know if you were going to say this, Tony, or not, but the questions you send in for Keith. Don't ask him about what he's doing in the future. Don't ask about what he's writing on. You know what I mean? Don't ask yeah. questions that you know they can't talk about. Yeah, anyone yeah. who works because for FFG cannot talk about future projects. Uh, no. they just right. That's just a policy. And so we are going to be highlighting Ready Fight 
in that show. Pretty much. And if yep. you have questions about that document mm-hmm. or any of the other documents he's worked on, he's mm-hmm. worked on several of the Star Wars titles. He mm-hmm. worked on the adversaries for Shadow of the Beanstalk. Oh, yeah. He worked on uh, several other things, and we'll get into that in the show. But if you have any questions for him, Keith mm-hmm. is a plethora of knowledge. He's a um, yes. former former uh, Navy man, so he's a military man like myself. Um, awesome. Uh, he, the Adventure Writing Academy that he is part of is actually run by him and a few other individuals, and they teach you to be a freelance writer. That's great. I'm going to uh, send that link to my daughter. I think she's going to love that. And uh, that's, a, that's a great way to get into the writing uh, mm-hmm. for Fantasy Flight because a lot of the guys over there do write for Fantasy Flight. Now, I'm sure now they, they probably have a forum and stuff over there too, right? I'm, uh, I'm assuming. But hey, if you have any questions about that, send them in to us. We'll ask yep. them. Yep. I know yep. I've got I've got a couple questions that I want to ask him about you know how he how his technique of creating some NPCs that I put in our show notes if you guys haven't seen it yet um, and you know a few other th- you know just a few other things and then of course like Tony said we're gonna do a a deep dive into Ready Fight mm-hmm. so <clears throat> we're looking forward to that that's gonna be exciting it'll be our first interview show yeah I've never it, interviewed anybody before if it comes off as a success. It may be becoming a regular thing. Yeah, oh, semi-regular yes. or regular. Oh, yeah. So, All right. Well, I think I'm going to call it a night, and I'm going to say to everyone, keep rolling them bones. Yep. And I'm going to say good night, too, and also not to forget to ask for those books die. That's right. And remember the rule of cool, which is on a sidebar on page 165, 165. in the core <laughs> rule book. <laughs> Remember that really cool and just have fun, everybody. Have a good night. Good night. Bye now. Finding the Narrative, a Genesis RPG podcast, is not affiliated with or endorsed by any companies mentioned in this show. Any of the products mentioned on our show or appear on our website are the property and copyright of their respected owners. All items are used under fair use and educational and review purposes. All other items are the intellectual property of Finding the Narrative, a Genesis RPG podcast. Copyright 2019. All rights reserved.